0: Hi! Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show Podcast. On this episode, I sit down with Kiana Giles, one of the best women's basketball players in Canada, as she is transferring from Regina to Winnipeg to play for the Winnipeg Westman. You'll learn why she decided to do that, her recovery from an ACL tear, and why it'll be a little bit weird no longer playing with her twin sister. Also... We've talked a lot about the Bomber offense the last couple of days, but what about the special teams? Yes, it's been very special so far this season. Special teams coach Paul Boudreaux talked to Bob Irving. And every other Tuesday, Jeff Braun and I watch and review a sports movie. This week, Leatherheads. What did we think? Yeah, we'll go into greater detail on the podcast. News today from the university ranks as one of the best women's basketball players in the country is coming to Winnipeg. Kiana Giles is from Winnipeg, but spent the first three seasons of her university career with the Regina Cougars with her twin sister Kia. She was a national all-rookie selection in 2017, a second-team All-Canadian as a sophomore, and then last year, first-team All-Canadian averaged 18.4 points and 8.8 rebounds a game before tearing her ACL in the Canada West title game against Saskatchewan. Helped Regina win that title in 2018 as well, went to the final eight all three years, of her career so far, now she's transferring to go closer to home, the University of Winnipeg. Earlier this afternoon, came down to the CJB Studios to talk to me about her decision to come home.
1: I was a perfect fit. My number one concern was my schooling being three years deep. Um, it's hard to get all um, credits transferred, so I wanted to make sure that was set in place. And I knew Tanya, I knew the team, so I taught she coach, and everything fit well.
0: So you spent three years in Regina. What made you decide to go to Regina in the first place?
1: Um, in grade 12, um, I did want to move away from home, live the university experience. Uh, Dave was really, his recruitment was really good t- towards me and my sister, so that also worked, and Regina wasn't too far away from home, so I can travel back and forth. The program was great. They had a history of going to national, so it was right at the time.
0: And you had a lot of success in your three years.
1: I had a lot of success. A lot, a lot, a lot.
0: So... When you look back on your time in Regina, I imagine it's fond memories.
1: Yeah, fond memories with the girls, winning, like, can't really complain.
0: Right. So let's go back to the spring. You're named an All-Canadian, but you also tear your ACL. Was it kind of a, a weird balance of emotions for those couple of weeks when, you know, you're playing in the Canada West Championship game, you're thinking, all right, we're going back to Nationals, and all of a sudden it's it's over for you personally.
1: Yeah, it was crazy. Like, being named uh, All-Canadian was, obviously, it was great, but I was kind of upset because I couldn't play. I'd rather play than not be named All-Canadian. So, like, during the game, it was, what, I think the third quarter, and I just go down, and I just I knew it. I just knew it, and I'm just thinking, like, can't finish up the game. Now I can't go to Nationals. Everything just started to crumble, and I was very upset.
0: Have you had a knee injury before? never. So what was that moment like for you?
1: I was, like, in shock, so I just started to scream. And I'm just like, it's going to be tough. Like, my two sisters had ACL surgery, so I just knew it was going to be a tough road ahead of me.
0: And what has the rehab process been like now, a number of months later?
1: <sighs> um, it's hard. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It's, it's hard. You have, to ha- you have to be mentally tough for yeah. this. Some days I'm just like, oh, I can't do this. But other days I'm like, okay, like... You want to get back to play, you got to push through the hard times. Mm-hmm. And so it's been, I've had my up and downs.
0: So you, you mentioned your sisters have had ACL injuries before too. Kia playing with you in Regina has had knee issues before as well. What was it like having her there with you as you were injured?
1: It was nice because she knows exactly what I'm going through. Like when she went down, I'll be there right beside her. So we just, we just have that connection. It's just nice to have someone there for you no matter what.
0: So she's also no longer with Regina, right?
1: No, yeah. She tore ACL a week after I did, actually. So <laughs> oh, gosh. At National, she tore ACL. So it was not funny, but... <laughs> no, it's it's just... <laughs> it was a coincidence. You, twin, you was... wonder. Yeah. It's
0: like, how did this happen to the twin sisters? And, yeah. Uh, so what do you know what's next for her?
1: Yeah, she is heading off to Ryerson.
0: Okay, nice. So will it be a little bittersweet now that you're not going to be able to play with her anymore?
1: Yeah, we were actually just talking about that, like... I've been playing with my sister for eleven years now and it's gonna be weird not playing with her, not having someone that you know just there. Like anywhere I'm dribbling, I'd be like, Kate Kia's gonna be there. Right there. Right. So it's gonna be it's gonna be different. You but... got
0: that twin telepathy thing exactly. going on. Exactly. So now that you're back in Winnipeg, you, you mentioned you've you've known Tanya before. Tell me about your experiences with Tanya McKay.
1: Uh she coached us when we won nationals uh, for Team Manitoba in oh, two thousand 14 okay I think it was so I've been coached by her so I know how she is
0: and what do you like about her style
1: I like that she's not afraid to get after me she's not afraid to just push us and so I think that's what I need
0: and you've obviously played against Winnipeg a number of times in the last few years different team now because Mm -hmm. players have left but what are your thoughts on their current roster
1: um, it's a young roster. I think they're eager to learn, eager to win, so I'm really happy about that. They have the energy, and that's what you need.
0: And Faith has Kai, obviously leading the way for the team.
1: Yeah, but I'll dismiss her.
0: So you are sitting out for a year because that's that's the way it is. Is it kind of easier to swallow the year that you have to sit out just because you probably would have missed a lot of it anyway with your knee injury?
1: It's Yeah, so it was kind of like a win-win situation almost because... When I first got injured, I said, okay, I want to play by January, but looking how my recovery is going doesn't look like that's going to happen. So transferring and sitting out kind of, it was perfect because I'm not really wasting a year.
0: Now you would have redshirted probably anyway. Yeah. Right. So exactly. Um, I guess you're kind of going to be a member of the coaching
1: staff in a way then next year? <laughs> well, I plan to be like at all practices, be active, be a voice. I know the game of basketball. I know what it takes. So I... I plan to be an active member on the team.
0: When did you start playing basketball?
1: Uh when I was ten, grade four.
0: And what school? Uh
1: when I was younger, I played for the club team, Team Magic, Mantova Magic. Okay. And then I went to Sisler, played on the provincial team. Yeah.
0: What was it that drew you into basketball?
1: My older sister actually. I watched her provincial game Team Mantova game in Regina. And I got in contact with the club coach in Winnipeg and just went from there.
0: How would you describe yourself as a player?
1: Um, Competitive. um, Upbeat. um, I'm more of like an offensive player, so I love scoring. I'm a scorer. Right. Yeah. So
0: So you're coming to a team that has not had as much national success. Obviously, there's a a storied history here at Winnipeg, but it's been a bit. Mm -hmm. And... You bring a lot of experience. You bring a lot of wins with you. How can you help then, even when you're not playing this year, bring that kind of experience to help this young team?
1: I can tell them and like guide them and show them what what kind of hard work you need, what kind of determination you need to get to that level. So I feel like my experience with that will help being vocal, not always just you know playing or anything, but just telling them how to do stuff, how like help them out. Because I know. know. I've been there three years, so I know what it takes.
0: Have you played at all against or with any of the players on the Winnipeg roster?
1: I played with Faith, Robin, and Vanessa.
0: Okay. At Provincials? Yeah. Okay. So what do they think about you coming to Winnipeg?
1: Uh... I know Robin's excited. The other two, I haven't really, t- I haven't talked to Faith or Vanessa yet, but Robin is very, very excited.
0: Okay. How long has this been in the works?
1: Uh, since April.
0: Okay. So you kind of been, was the thought like immediately like, huh, I could go to Winnipeg.
1: Yeah. Like Winnipeg's always going to, it's home for me. So it's always an option regardless. Right.
0: So November 15th and 16th, Winnipeg visits Regina. What will that be like for you?
1: Uh it's gonna be weird. Like I'm still friends with all the girls on the team, so it's gonna be nice seeing them, but like the crowd and stuff, they're gonna they they like they like me, so I feel like it'll be a warm welcome welcoming, but also I'm against you guys now, so <laughs> happy face before during the game, don't talk to me.
0: But they're also one of the, you know, gold standards of the Canada West Conference, right? They are. So So we'll see. All right, well welcome back to Winnipeg. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. There are three phases of football offense, defense, and special teams. And the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have done very well on those latter two for sure. Offense, too. But kick returns, field goals, way better coverage than last year. It's been strong. So our Bob Irving talked to the special teams coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Paul Boudreaux.
2: I don't know if there's any secrets to blocking kicks for an individual player. I know scheming is a big part of it. Marcus Sales has this incredible history in college of blocking 13. Are some guys just good at that?
3: Yeah. And if they are, how does that happen? <laughs> some guys just born with it. They uh, Marcus has uh, an ability to weave his way through protection, getting skinny, and then his body control and his hand-eye coordination is is pretty impressive. This The second punt, right or the one right after he blocked it, he came in, he was just trying to force it and they busted and he was able to jump and he moved his body in midair to avoid the punter. Um, a lot of guys, their momentum just would have taken him right into the punter. Um, yeah, but his, the way he can get his hands at the last second and spot the ball off the punter's foot really without even touching the punter is pretty impressive. So that's just a gift that he has. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, you can scheme up pump blocks all you want, and yeah. <laughs> you know, you need it to happen perfect. To, and even when it happens perfect, we still, you still might not get home. So, you know, it's pretty impressive of you know what he's able to do. So, lots of theories on why we have so many kick return
2: touchdowns in the league this year. What are your theories?
3: Um, I think of a. This is just me, but early on, I know we're at the midway point, but early on in the season. It takes a little bit more time for the cover units to gel. You know, you get the training camp work, but you really only get in one preseason game of those guys because some of them are traveling on that that road game. Yeah. Um, and the communication that goes into everybody working together in the cover, especially kickoff, it's it's really hard in practice to simulate uh, guys going into a wedge and taking off, taking on that physical. Yeah. You know toll on your body so you know i think that that happens a little bit and then you know these returners are so good just it really takes one guy to kind of overrun something or or misplay it and then and these guys make you pay we've only seen kind of glimpses of janarian grant they've been very impressive does he look like the real deal to you yeah i think uh you know he trusts the the blockers Um, and I think that's huge as a returner sometimes if you don't trust the guys that are blocking for you you start to do things on your own Um, and he's hitting it where we're asking him to hit it Um, and obviously he has very good speed and I think he's a little bit stronger a runner I think than people might look and give him credit for Um, so he's able to break a couple tackles and uh, get get himself into space too. Mike Miller
2: has a long history in this league of being a top special teams tackler. Why has Kerfala Exume been so good in his rookie year?
3: Um, you know, he's got a little bit of a knack of knowing when to shed a blocker um, and putting himself in the right spot. Early, those first couple games where he had that, that first game where he had five tackles, there was a lot of guys doing some dirty work for him that uh, kept him free. But, But he understands angles and he knows, you know, his speed of when do I have to maybe start to make a play earlier rather than later. And he knows how to kind of change gears, if you will, as a gunner of maybe speeding up when a guy thinks he's at full speed and able to stack him, And now he's put himself in a position to make a play.
0: So you suggested this one. I had maybe not heard of it. I, I probably did back when this came out. In 2008, So really one of the more recent movies we've done in this series, but I don't really remember it. It was a huge
2: bomb. It sucked. You didn't like it at all. <laughs> I didn't like that's, it. I didn't mind it. It's a terrible title. Which Leatherheads. I think that's... a. Uh large reason why it bombed so, it looks silly yeah
0: you. and George Clooney directs it he stars in it he basically rewrote most of the script that was written I guess in the early 90s by Rick Riley Rick Riley who has uh, definitely fallen from Grace a little bit because his writing has plummeted but uh this is basically 1925 pro football is nothing everyone watches colleges and George Clooney's character Dodge is his name yep. and he's traveling uh, with a a fictional team called the Duluth Bulldogs. All the teams are folding, so we need something to energize. And so there's this young stud football player. In college. In college, he goes to Penn. Carter Rutherford leaves Princeton to play for the Duluth Bulldogs. What? And it's Jim from The Office.
2: Yep. 2008. So this is one of his first movie roles, I'd imagine? That anyone would have seen. Yeah, it was by far, since he became Jim, the biggest thing he had done. So, his
0: nickname is Bullet, Carter Rutherford, the Bullet. So why so- isn't
2: this movie called Dodging the Bullet? Or Dodging the Bullet, or anything I'm, like that? Uh, obviously, the guy that's Look right at their there. It's
0: right there. So you can he, blame Rick Riley for that. So, and then the third wheel of this is Renee Zellweger's character, who is a weakness in this movie, I think, for sure. Ouch.
2: <laughs> Didn't you find the old timey journalism uh, interesting?
0: I did a little bit, but I also resented the idea that a woman journalist is going to f- be just there for a, as a love interest only for the athletes. Yeah. I don't like that at all. It's true. Uh, but she is tasked with doing a report on Bullet because his war hero story is a total sham. <laughs> that was weird. And it turned out to be. And he eventually shared it with her after he was falling in love with her.
2: This story was pretty good, though. I enjoyed that story a lot.
0: I thought, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was, was one the of the highlights story, when yeah. they actually showed the flashback. Yeah. So basically, obviously, every time we do one of these, it's a, just a... We don't have to say spoiler alert because you shouldn't be listening to this. Also, you don't need to see Leatherhead. It's 11 years old. Yes. Cool. The statute of limitations. So They win the big game. Yeah. He's, uh, he's in the, the trenches with his, his guys. He passes out drunk. The rest of his guys leave him there for the night, and then the Germans take the trench.
2: Yeah. They don't notice
0: Jim there. I'm going to keep calling him Jim, because I'm sorry. And then they start firing bullets, and Jim's like, well, he snaps out of his stupor. And he just stands up and says I surrender in German. The Germans are like, Okay, we agree.
2: They say the same thing. They call him a war here because
0: there was a reporter traveling with them. He never said no because he got all this great press out of it.
2: Yeah, they made it look like Jim had gotten these Germans to surrender a whole troop or whatever.
0: That's really the ultimate scandal point of this movie, is it's put out there, the the reporter, Lexi is Renee Zellweger's character's name. Puts out the story for the Chicago Tribune, and
2: it's a screwball comedy. It sounds like this is some serious thing. It, none of it's serious. It's it's very goofy. It's goofy, but not funny. I thought I thought some of it was funny. I I just like Clooney in general when he's in goofy mode as an actor. He's one of it. It takes it's a rare actor that can be a goofy guy like him, but also do serious drama. Okay, and the and to, that people enjoy his goofiness because it's like it's. Very handsome people, sometimes it's hard to be for others to find them funny.
3: You think you're the slickest operator in Duluth, and maybe you are, but being the slickest operator in Duluth is kind of like being the world's tallest midget, if you ask me. It's
2: too bad we know each other so
0: well we might have gotten along.
1: Well, I'll live.
0: Alone. She puts out the story, um, the bullet and his agent, CeCe, who's the villain in the movie.
2: Jonathan Price, he was also a villain in Game of Thrones recently.
0: Okay. Uh, they say, retraction, and eventually drunk George Clooney after a bar fight, comes up with this ruse and eventually Jim confesses and everything happily ever after George Clooney and Renée Zellweger pick up and blah 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 blah.
2: Yeah. Well, what about the the big game? Let's talk about the okay, actual sports look- part
0: of this because okay. the first 20 minutes and the last 15 minutes are actual sports. Are sports and the stuff in between is basically all that we just talked about.
2: I thought and did you enjoy the sports the old timey football and stuff? So it it's
0: 1925. Cool. It was, you know, sloppy and muddy and the you know what? I bet you the uh, uniforms then probably safer than the ones now because I fully believe that the hard helmets they're basically becoming human torpedoes when you've got the hard shell helmets. Soft shell, I guess it's more like rugby, but I think ultimately you're probably going to have less people being reckless.
2: Yeah, you're less field. likely to launch yourself into somebody if your head's not as protected. Right.
0: That's ultimately yes. Yeah. So the the crew of character we don't really get too much into who his teammates.
2: That's one of these things that irritates me in a lot of these sports movies—is where you only get to know three or four people. It's really there's a whole team of guys there all the time. The
0: film is basically a star vehicle for Clooney, Zellweger, and to some a lesser extent, John Krasinski. Yeah. But there's this big, enormous high school kid. I want to know more about him. (laughs) They pick him up on the train. He he's the kicker. He's like 350 pounds, and he sucks at kicking. So they just said, "Hey, take these guys out," and he starts punching everybody.
3: I like him.
2: Here's my big question. It's how in 1925 is Jim still playing college football? Because the war ended in 1918, so seven years earlier, like, at, like November 11th, 1918 was the end of World War I. Right. And so even if he was a freshman starting in 1919, which he wasn't, they said it interrupted his career. So, Right. If had, even if he was a freshman in 1919, wouldn't he be dumb by 1923? And at mm-hmm. one of their meetings, Clooney said, you have one more year. Right, so how does the, the timeline doesn't make any sense? Does Correct. It? it 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 did they get eight years of eligibility and unless he in the didn't 20s go back
0: to school right away? I, yeah, and I they mean, never explained it. I was like, and why no, is it?
2: I'm like, just set the stupid movie in 1920. Then why is it 1925? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't a, matter. That drives me nuts. I was like, that's, that's something such that's an easy really thing easy to fix. Absolutely.
0: So John Krasinski gets traded to Chicago, or leaves for Chicago. It basically his agent orchestrates it. And now the big game is Chicago versus his old team. It's a crappy, it's in Chicago, sloppy, muddy game. It's 3 nothing till the very end, and Duluth is told to play clean by the new commissioner.
2: It's Be- the lawyer from The Wire. The
0: Wire, yes, yeah. I wrote that down. <laughs> yes. They always have to go to him for the wiretaps.
2: Yeah.
0: And at the end, they say, screw it, we're going to try a trick play. That's a good trick Everyone's play. so muddy that George Clooney's character – Pretends he's on the other team after punching out one of his own teammates.
2: Yeah, no one, because there's so many that... No one knows pretend, who's who. He just stands on the other side of the line and no one... Replies. So he he's covering his own teammate. Yeah, it becomes the DB So that they're both
0: basically waiting for the pass. And originally, they think it's intercepted. Everyone goes nuts. And then they throw water on him. <gasps> oh, no, he's on the other team. And everyone starts booing. And then he starts saying, I surrender in German with the ball over his head <laughs> to make fun of Jim's character. And that's I like basically that. The I like end. that for
2: that's a that was I thought a fitting ending to a football movie that didn't really have a whole lot to do about football. No.
0: I didn't really find it that funny. I think the best moment for me was during the the bar fight towards the end when the pianist is just stops, grabs a bottle, hits <laughs> the guy over the head. That was Randy Newman. Yeah, and the music is so Randy Newman. Yeah.
2: That's why it was like when he was playing. I was like, "That's probably Rand." I was like, "Oh, it is Randy Newman."
0: Yeah, so that's good. But otherwise, I, it's a, it's a, it's supposed to be a comedy that wasn't, I think, that funny. And as a sports journalist, i I I again <laughs> kind of resent the fact that it's like, oh, she can only and, and don't get me wrong, it has happened in the past where people covering a sport and an athlete become a couple. That has happened before.
2: What about uh, But I
0: still don't like the implication.
2: What about Stephen Root? He was one of the the writer, and he was just drunk the whole time. Never watched the game, and then Clooney would just dictate him the story after the game. Imagine if the athletes could like write their own copy. Yeah, but that for their was games. 1920s Duluth. I know. That right? was awesome. I was in Duluth last month actually, so I enjoyed. I've never it. been there. I was like, oh, cool. Uh, the other uh, one, and the other thing, broadcasting wise, and it happened again. Big game at the end, and all of a sudden, let's introduce some radio guys so they can call the action for the audience at home. The real story is the matchup between The Bullet and teammate Dodge Connolly.
0: And then there's a bunch of sponsor reads.
2: A bunch of sponsor reads. And then Standard motor gasoline. And then the language issues. Already. You can't say that on the
0: radio. Except the commission for that basically wasn't created in 1925. It wasn't around no, yet. Maybe that,
2: maybe that one station just had its own policy. Anyways, the guy that was chastising everyone to watch their mouth, that's uh, – well, he's an actor and a producer. He's Grant Heslov, and he's Clooney's main producing partner. Okay. Yeah.
0: I also, before we get to our ratings, want to say that I cannot take Jim seriously as a villain because he's supposed to be a kind of a bad guy in this. It's hard to not look at him as Jim, and I know he's been in so much since. I still, every time I see him, basically only can
2: see Jim still.
0: He didn't, he didn't seem like the right person for that role.
2: I think he's just buddies with those guys with Clooney and yeah. Matt Damon and them. So. And this did bomb, right? What's that? It oh did, yeah, it tanked hard, and it, the critics didn't give much for it either. So it was, it was, it's a, a, it's a little negative blip on Clooney's mm-hmm. overall resume.
0: And when they had the just endless fight at the, on the railroad tracks, and the, after they're done, they're just breathing heavy, and there's no marks on anyone's no blood face or anything like that. Yeah, come, come on, come
2: on, stay away from my right knee. Watch my left shoulder, also my right hind quarter. Well, you wouldn't punch me in the back, would you? Let's just go for the face. Dude. Just aim in the face. Okay. Even in a screwball comedy, that that was a bit much. I thought so too. Yeah. I still laughed at it. I so, thought it, I thought it was pleasant. I enjoyed the ride, and just like I enjoy the ride with almost all. And it wasn't that piece. long, right? No, it's like an hour forty-eight. And it actually always meant to watch it, and never okay. had a reason to. So, thanks for helping me scratch that off my list.
0: Yeah, and I'll have a Monday night that I'll never get
2: back. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, your final score? Oh, let's see now. I'll give it six and a half of those leather helmets out of ten. I'll give it five and a half harmless
0: punches to the face out of (laughs) ten. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell. Or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast.
3: Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?